Thank you, Ruthann. In light of the message of that song, I think of Hebrews chapter 11. The people who just walked by faith, day by day, didn't receive everything promised and so on, but still trusted God and humbly depended upon Him day by day. would encourage you to live that way. Trust God, humbly depend upon Him, and I know many of you have been through trials along the way, been through joys along the way, and just humbly walk <coughs> with God. So we interact with God's Word this morning, as I occasionally share. I share that out of a love affair with God. I love God, want to be faithful to Him. I love you, care deeply for you, pray faithfully for you, strive to minister to you, and also I appreciate and value God's Word very, very highly. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for pursuing us. Thank you that we can call you Father. Christ is our life, and your Spirit is at work in us. And it's our desire, as we interact with your Word, to be yielded to you. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. A number of years ago, when Ruth Ann and I, along with Danny and Beth Ann, went to Guatemala and to Peru. We were in tour for seven days while we were in Peru. And one of those days when we were in Lima, Peru, we had a free day from the tour if you wanted. They had something if you wanted to go, but it was a day if you wanted to be in your own and go wherever. And we decided to go on our own. There was a missionary that we had heard about we could go see, and he was going to show us around maybe the other side of the city that you don't normally see in a tour. And we found out his address. Remember that none of us really spoke Spanish. And I didn't know where this section of the city was. So we had the address of this missionary written on a piece of paper. We hailed down a taxi. And we tried to communicate to the taxi driver that this is where we wanted to go. And he communicated enough to us, yeah, I know where that is, I can get you there. We had no idea if he was taking us the right direction or not. I had a little idea the section, as far as the direction we should go, and I thought he was going in the right direction and he drove around for a while, and I thought, this guy is lost. And then, lo and behold, he went by a street, and I looked down the street, and I saw the missionary's car, because he had a piece of plywood on top of the car. He thought that kept some of the heat off of the car. And I said, that's where it is. That, there it is. And he dropped us off there. But we had to trust him. Communicated to him according to what the tour guide wrote in Spanish, gave it to him. And when we think about life, we think about the body of Christ, this brief series we're doing on the body of Christ, we need to learn to trust others. And in terms of reviewing, two weeks ago, we talked about Christ, the head, and his body are a unit. 
And I had a doll that, uh, you know, I pulled the head off to say, you know, you can't separate the head from the body. The body of the church is dependent upon Christ. We love Christ by loving his body, the church, or believers. We also discussed the fact that to neglect the body of Christ is to neglect Christ. Last week, we talked about the fact that love for Christ is demonstrated through a passionate commitment to consistent body life, the one another's, to consistent corporate worship, and to consistent following church leaders. And then we stated that the above, relating to the body of Christ, is foundational to effective marriages, parent-child relationships, employer-employee relationships, relating to our government, godly relationships with unbelievers, and dealing with our enemy, Satan. This morning we want to look at another aspect And part of the false teaching that comes down the pike that has been present for a period of time, the believer in Christ is able to live well by looking to Christ and obeying Scripture. There is little need for consistent teaching, encouragement, rebuke, correction, and guidance of local church shepherds. Yes, we need Christ. We need to look to Him. We need to look to Scripture. But Scripture also emphasizes very, very strongly the body of Christ, leaders in the church responding to them. Let's take our Bibles and turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. The theme of John's gospel, as you read through John's gospel, seems to be that Christ, or Jesus is the Christ, In John 1, 1 through 18, we find that that is very, very strongly emphasized. In John 21 through the end of chapter 21, we find that that is emphasized. And between John 1 and John 20, we find Jesus teaching, we find Jesus performing miracles, and so on, all demonstrating that Jesus is the Christ. And John says towards the end of the gospel, you know, that he has given his gospel so that we may know that Jesus is the Christ. Let's pick up with verse 1 of John chapter 10. Jesus is speaking, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheepfold or pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is a shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he is brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever entered before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. There will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is because I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? As you read through the Gospels, you find that Christ was misunderstood over and over again. Here he is making some pretty bold claims. You know, he says, I'm the good shepherd. I am the shepherd. And so on. You know, the good shepherd lays down his life. You know, he knows the Father. He relates to the Father. He's yielded to the Father. He's surrendered to his Father. He's the gate. But makes a very bold statement in several places. In verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know my Father, and I will lay down my life for the sheep. Sheep, shepherd. What do sheep need? A shepherd. What does a shepherd need? Sheep. A shepherd leads his flock, and the flock follows a shepherd. A shepherd leads. He does not drive his sheep. And I emphasize that. A shepherd leads. He does not drive his sheep. But Jesus says, I am the shepherd. Now let's look at a parallel passage in Acts chapter 20. In the context of shepherds and sheep. Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, we find that uh, Paul has been traveling, and he is traveling, and he calls for the elders of Ephesus to come to him. He's on his way to Jerusalem, and he is in a town, if I can locate it here, Miletus, right here. And he is calling for the elders to come from Ephesus. So as he is here, he calls for the elders at Ephesus to come to him. He wants to interact with them. And then we find some of the things that he shares with them. Let's pick up reading 
with verse 17 of Acts 20. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day, I came into the providence of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that will be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I've declared to you, or declared both Jews and Greeks, that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now, I know that none of you among whom I've gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I've not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Paul, an apostle, calls for the elders, the leaders of the church at Ephesus. Shows a little about himself, what's going to happen, but then distinctly says to them, keep watch over yourselves. You as leaders, keep watch over yourself, your own life. Keep watch over the flock. And he also says, shepherd the flock. In John chapter 10, we have Christ as the shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. In Acts chapter 20, we have elders who are shepherding, leading a flock, a local group of believers. And Paul wants them to guard the flock and to oversee the flock. And he mentions that in the context, he says, be shepherds of the church of God, in verse 28, which he bought with his own blood. The body of believers comes at a high price. Christ shed blood. And he says, guard the flock. Protect the flock. We're not going to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, but we find there again the issue of shepherd sheep with Christ being the chief shepherd. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he talks about leaders and followers, and he exhorts people to follow. In 1 Timothy, along with 2 Timothy, along with Titus, he talks about the shepherd sheep relationship. In Hebrews chapter 13, he talks about shepherds and he says, lead. You know, you're going to give an account, he says to the people he's writing, follow. 
In 1 Peter chapter 5, he talks again about the shepherd-sheep relationship. So Christ is the chief shepherd. Under Christ, we have pastors, elders who are to provide direction. They're to shepherd the flock. I would pose a question to you. What is the nature of sheep? What is the nature of believers? What is the nature of we humans? Why would God choose to use sheep to speak of believers? Well, let's give a few brief descriptions of sheep. Sheep have many natural enemies, nose flies. If they're not dealt with, they end up laying their eggs and the larva gets into the brain and sheep will actually bang their heads against trees and rocks when one of those larvae gets into their brain, you know, it just affects them deeply. They get sore feet, they have colds, distemper. We as humans are compared to sheep, we as believers are compared to sheep. What are some of the enemies we face? Discouragement. Anyone discouraged this week? We battle with fear. We struggle with passiveness. We like to demand control. And we have many natural things of the world in which we live that we battle with. As you look at sheep, they're also helpless. Can't make it on their own. And tied in with the helplessness, they're defenseless. How many of you see a sheep and say, oh, I'm afraid of that sheep, it might bite me. It might kick me. A sheep is a sheep. You see a snake, you know, you might be fearful. Remember when I was a kid, we would get in with the bulls sometimes. You know, we were, we called it bed them, putting straw in, you know. And we get in there with a healthy respect because they had some defense. No, their horns could tear you apart pretty quick, but sheep are helpless. They're defenseless. Sheep cannot be driven. I should say they tend to wander first. They wander and drift. You leave sheep alone. They wander off. They'll fall off a cliff. They'll get lost. That's their nature. We as believers tend to wander we tend to get lost. We get into trouble. Sheep also cannot be driven. Sheep follow the shepherd. Philip Keller writes in one of his books in the 23rd Psalm, seeing a group of shepherds in the Middle East come together where a number of paths met. And the shepherds were talking, and as they were talking, the sheep mingled with one another. You know, this flock would mingle with the next flock, and there were a number of flocks mixed together. And he thought to himself, how's the shepherd going to separate the sheep? One shepherd walked off, and he called his sheep, and they followed. Another shepherd walked off in another direction. He called his sheep, and they followed. A third shepherd walked off in a different direction, called his sheep, and they follow. That's the nature of sheep. They follow a shepherd. Can't be driven, but follow a shepherd. Shepherd or sheep 
can't be alone. They just get in trouble. We as human sheep tend to get in trouble. Sheep are timid. You know, slow to be what they should be. Slow to try things. Sheep are stubborn. They can be stubborn. And a shepherd sometimes will take a sheep. And if necessary, break a leg. Discipline a sheep because of their stubbornness. We tend to be stubborn too at times. You ever have an argument with your mate or children or parents? Probably the reason you had the argument is because one or more of you were stubborn. That's the nature of sheep. Sheep require unconditional love. They wonder. They can't be driven. They can't, be, can't live alone. They're helpless. They have many natural enemies. What do they need? Unconditional love. Believers need unconditional love. And this next one comes from a book I read about shepherding and sheep. The author would say sheep are stupid. I'm not ready to put us in the category of stupid. But where he's coming from is sheep that are left to themselves will do all kinds of crazy things. Just get themselves in trouble. Go where they shouldn't. Fall off a cliff. So when Jesus speaks in John chapter 10 about him being the shepherd, he's leading... Who's he leading? Those who face many natural enemies, those who are timid, those who are helpless, those who are defenseless. In Acts chapter 20, when Paul says to the elders, shepherd the flock, lead the flock, he's saying, lead sheep who have many natural enemies. Lead believers who are defenseless. They cannot be driven. They're timid and so on. Sheep need a shepherd. God has set up structure in the body of Christ. Shepherds, pastors, elders to lead. And he makes it very clear that they're accountable. But also sheep, believers to follow, and they're accountable. There are many other animals that God could have said, here's what believers are like. He uses sheep. A believer in Christ will not be where Christ desires in terms of Christ-likeness, apart from consistent action in following the chief shepherd by following local shepherds. We may think we're fine, but we might be at a stagnant two or three when God desires us to be at a seven or eight. Christ is the chief shepherd. Local pastors and elders 
our under-shepherds, who will give an account to the chief shepherd. They're Christ's representatives in flesh and blood. Awesome responsibility and accountability. They're to lead. They're to teach. They're to shepherd. It's God's design. Believers in Christ need a shepherd since they're sheep, displaying the characteristics of sheep. To submit to and depend upon a local church, pastor, elders shows dependency upon and submission to Christ. We follow Christ by following local shepherds. And I would emphasize the word shepherds, not shepherd, because as you look at the New Testament, the plurality of leadership is emphasized. Shepherd, sheep, is a relationship of growing trust. So some church core choices we as believers need to make. Do we admit we're sheep? We're sheep characteristics in need of flesh and blood shepherds. I am a shepherd. I lead here at Roaring Brook. How I acknowledge my need for other believers. I'm prone to wonder. Prone to experience my defenselessness, my timidity and so on, apart from people in my life, a number of men who shepherd me. Unless I admit that I'm a sheep, unless we admit that we're sheep and have the characteristics of sheep, we tend to do our own thing. Admit that we must make a choice to admit that we cannot handle life ourselves. Guidance is necessary. It's essential. Can't handle it ourselves. We need help. We need guidance. You as a child need the guidance of some shepherds in your life, your parents, your grandparents, older believers. Teenagers need the guidance of mom and dad, grandparents, older parents, godly church leaders. Adults need the guidance of godly shepherds. Otherwise, we get into trouble. The longer I live, the less I live alone. I used to very loosely make a lot of decisions. I rarely make a decision alone anymore. 
try to seek some counsel from those that would have a shepherding role in my life. Why? Because I realize more and more how much of a sheep I am. I welcome more and more and I ask people to speak truth into my life because I realize more and more that I'm a sheep. I'm a shepherd, I lead, but I'm also a sheep. And I need people to speak truth into my life because the characteristics of sheep are true in my life. Just can't handle life myself. We can't handle life ourselves. We need people to speak to us, to lead us, to guide us. And then we have to make a core choice, admit that we cannot be holy and godly, transforming into Christ's likeness as God desires apart from following local church shepherds. We need people to speak into our lives, to follow. How do you follow a local shepherd? How do you follow a shepherd? We'll seek to answer that next week, but I want to close with a couple examples of someone who did not follow a shepherd and someone who did follow a shepherd. The first example was a man who did not follow a shepherd. Would have come to Christ in his 20s. Had a pretty strong independent spirit. Displayed very strongly some of the characteristics of sheep. He drifted from the Lord for a period of time and then seemed to be getting his relationship with God on target. He was sharing with his shepherd one time that uh, he and his wife were not getting along well. And his shepherd would have encouraged him, along with some other men who spoke into his life, how he should live and how he should respond. And he resisted that. He became very defensive. I can figure out my own life. And on a number of occasions, some shepherds came, into him, came to him and spoke gently and humbly but strongly into his life. And he said, no, I can do my own thing. He chose to do that. He walked away from his marriage. He walked into a relationship with another woman that was not good. And to this day, there are struggles because of him more than anything else. He walked away from a body of believers that loved him and cared for him and gently attempted to restore him. And to this day, he is struggling spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and financially. There's another fellow that displayed in his teen years an independent spirit, and his parents had to struggle with this independent spirit, which came through again and again. The young fellow went off to serve his country in the military and 
would have sown what we might call little wild oats in the process. But in the process of the military and getting out of the military and coming back to his home area, God began to do a work in his life. And he thought, you know, I need to correct some things with my parents. I needed to correct some things with my grandparents and some older people in my life, which he did. And as the Lord spoke to him and challenged him through some things he was told, he chose to become involved in a local church setting, chose to follow leaders, chose to minister to others. And year after year, he just faithfully would allow his shepherds to speak truth into his life. He would submit himself to their teaching. He would ask for their counsel and their guidance. This man is now an older man who is highly respected. People go to him for wisdom and insight and understanding. They think he is wise. But over and over, he has said to people, you need a shepherd. Follow your shepherd or shepherds. Why? His response would be, because you're a sheep. You need a shepherd. You need shepherds. So as we think about the body of Christ, sheep, shepherds, we have to admit we're sheep, that we need shepherds. And if we're shepherds, we need to lead in a godly way because shepherds will give an account. John chapter 10, Jesus is the chief shepherd. Acts chapter 20, God has put local shepherds to lead for Christ. Let's pray together. Father, as we think about the body of Christ, we know that Christ is the head. He's the chief shepherd. We know too, Father, that we are sheep. We need leadership. We need guidance. And Lord willing, next week we'll discuss what that looks like how shepherds are to lead, how it follows, and realize that that can get messy, and we'll touch on that next week too, Father. But may we be committed to admitting we're sheep in need of a shepherd. Those of us who are shepherds, may we seek to lead in a godly way. So we are equipped to live in the world in which we live for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen.